Some go around claiming that they're excellent. Others talk about how they're best in the world. Well, let me tell you something. I am what I say I am. And I say I'm perfect. Hit Row is just pretty much the black bushwhackers. All right, everybody, welcome back to <laughs> 1004, <laughs> a, a wrestling podcast made by fans. I am one-third of the amazing six-man tag team. Tone, Tony, no gimmicks. Uh, when you see me in the streets, make sure you please say hello. Uh, to always flanked by not only my biological brother, but also my first tag team partner making his winter residence in the Netherlands and Tellies, Andy Marr. How you doing this morning? What's up? What's up? Six star Andy Marr in the house. Don't get it <laughs> twisted. And with him, as always, we have the man, the myth, the legend standing six feet, 10 inches tall, and you can't teach that. Tweet, what's going on, brother? What's up, everybody? I'm excited this morning. It's going to be a wild ride. Especially with these times. (laughs) And we are blessed today to have our first guest. Um, He is somebody that is familiar to me and Andy, uh, essentially a family member. Um, But you might know him from his other podcasts or just following him on social media. We got Spencer in the house. What's going on, cuz? Gentlemen, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate this. Spencer is a TV star. Yes. You know, we, yes, we he's a game we, show star. Game show star yeah. Spencer, baby. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I've, I've been on TV a time or two. and like, he, so. He's a champion on game show. A game show champion. You should get a belt for that. Yes, um, you should. <laughs> so just to kind of give a background, right, and we, we always say that this podcast is made by fans. Um, so... Just to give people a little gauge of who you are and your interest in this uh, sport of professional wrestling, Spencer, how long have you been a fan? Uh, first pay-per-view I remember watching was WrestleMania 9. Not the best, but at least it was the first one that I remember. Okay. Uh, and I've been a fan ever since. And just uh, that fan has grown from just watching Raw and SmackDown and Nitro and just having that back and forth on Monday nights and all that. Uh, yeah. Being able to say that for a brief period of time, 
I was a part of the mechanism there as well. So it's it's been a long journey, but my uh, love for wrestling has not subsided. So yeah, th- um, thank you for actually bringing it up. You actually worked in the corporate offices in Stanford for a little while, right? Yeah, so uh, I started there uh, as an intern uh, working with their international media uh, distribution, uh, the head of international media distribution, and then um, was brought on full-time as a more or less like a travel agent with the company. So I would go around with the talent to the various house shows and pay-per-views and other live events. And my main job was kind of to, like I did a lot of dealings with Make-A-Wish, with Make-A-Wish Foundation, which WWE is huge with. Yeah. Um, so my job was to secure the talent, have them in a location in an arena separate from the general fan base. And they would have an interaction time with the Make-A-Wish kids and, um, really kind of deal with the uh, ticket comp requests from superstars. So, you know, I got to see a lot, got to, to meet a whole lot of people that I'd never in my wildest dreams thought that I'd ever have that, that close to access to, but it was, um, it was cool. And really one of the, one of the highlights, and I'm sure there's more of it, but the, one of my highlights was being able to say that uh, I had Alicia Fox and um, <laughs> Rosa Mendez in my car as I drove them back to their hotel. So that I, I can't, I can't ever like that's a moment. That, that's well, that's a top five moment. <laughs> uh, We're going to have to bring you back on because yes, uh, yes, yes, because <laughs> yes, I need, I need more <laughs> info. I need more because behind, might, behind might add you to, are, might, might add yeah. you to a different group chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the Make-A-Wish is definitely going to tie into our main topic for today. But just one more question to you. So, you know, we kind of gauge each other of where you loved wrestling the most, right? So thinking about your favorite era, thinking about your favorite uh, uh, promotion, what would be your favorite era? What would be your favorite promotion and your favorite era? All in one. I'm- I mean, you know, I'm a child of of the born in the '80s, but a child of the '90s. Uh, really, the Monday Night War is where fans really kind of, where my fandom really kind of exploded. But for me, Attitude Era WWF, um, I think that Attitude Era WWF was the best and worst thing to happen to me. Best because you know, obviously, my fandom is what it is now. Worst because of the things that I got in trouble in school for. <laughs> you was crotch chopping oh. your teachers, bro. Oh, crotch chops, middle fingers. I got kicked out of summer camp one day for giving somebody a stunner. Like it was, it was, it was a wild time. It was a wild really, time. really, yeah, really. Dude. You did what? What, what did um? What did Miss Miss the elder Mister Johnson say about that one? Um, he was more pissed because of the money that's being spent on camp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was more of that than anything else. I mean, he found it funny, but it was just more like, yeah, no, no more wrestling stuff in school. So I kind of kept that to the minimum, you know. That's, but we've all, we've all tried. Me and Andy have had we had our own federation in the basement of the uh, of the house, but we're not going to talk about that because no. we have an interesting topic today that um I want to kind of jump into. Uh, so we talk about, you know, our favorites and, and moments that mean things to us. And we've all just pretty much watched from the seats. Um, but we are appreciative of all of the athletes in the sport. And with that, 
I want to open up this discussion about GOAT talk, right? So this last week, there's a lot kind of going on, right? With uh, Bron passing um, Kareem, uh, you know, you get the GOAT talk there. Of course, we got the Super Bowl and people's legacies are built on, you know, how they perform in championship situations. So I actually want to kind of hear from all you guys who you think is the GOAT of professional wrestling. I guess, Andy, I'll, I'll open it up with you. Who is your GOAT? And now... For fans, just remember, your GOAT may not be your favorite wrestler. Those could be two totally mutually exclusive things. Um, but, Andy, who's your GOAT? The My GOAT is the Rolex wearing, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing, jet flying, son of a gun, the nature boy, Ric Flair. You can, you can talk about, you know, his impact on the wrestling business, you could talk about his impact on popular culture, but the more you you see and you you really look at what Ric Flair did, he put so many guys over. Um, his work is impeccable in the ring. You know, we could say the 16-time world champion, but look beyond that. Look at what he did. You know, traveling from territory to territory. He's, his promos are undeniable. You know, to he has the classic phrase, you know, you see people now doing the, you know, two, I, I do it with, you know, with my, um, my team, you know, we do the Ric Flair woo, you know, yeah. two claps and a Ric Flair, you know, to be the man, you got to beat the man. It, it, he's the, to me, he's the goat, you know, and, and I, and I know, I know other people are going to, uh, look other ways on it, and you could talk about. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll fight any one of y'all. On. <laughs> really? That's how, that's how you yeah. do it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, when did you like really feel that Ric Flair was like? Did you know when you were little? Did you like? Yo, this is I'm watching the no. greatest of all time right now. No. Yeah. When did when did when did it kind of click for you? Uh, you know, I guess as, as you get older and you, you start really delving into watching old pay-per-views and old TVs, you know, tapes, and you just hear, and you want to say, you know, you hear the 95, you know, documentaries on Ric Flair that, that have come 95, out. 95,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's but it tells <laughs> it tells the same story. Tell the same exact story. <laughs> but but you just see, you know, how in the ring he was phenomenal. Forget outside the ring. That that's a whole nother story. You might be the goal for what he did outside the ring, you know. <laughs> but what did he do outside the ring? You know, party like a rock star, yo. Oh, that's <laughs> not what I thought you was gonna say. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, up, Will Chamberlain numbers is that? Well, that that that's part of partying like a rock star, you know. It, it encompasses the whole thing, like just just so, what he did, what he did in the ring, and who he worked with, and the stories he told in the ring. And so, let me ask you something, right? Because he, yeah. he's obviously been there for a long time, right? Is there any kind of like Michael Jordan esque on the Wizards um, situation with Ric Flair? Where I'm glad you asked. Rick, <laughs> oh, 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 there are we, so many. When Rick Flair and Rick Flair, we think of the okay. Go ahead, Rick Flair and TNA. Mm. 
you know, where, where he, you know, still he trying had a to... Viral, he had a viral moment in TNA, though. Oh, I know. The woo-off with Jay Lethal was... was yeah. But there, there's sometimes where... Yes, but when he got in the ring, he needed to sit down. Even the Michael Jordan on the Wizards, I did not see it, but I was told that his last match, he needed to... I know, I saw it. Oh, God. He, no. he, he needed did to... Uh, Sometimes I know... Andy and Tweet, you guys didn't see it. Spencer, did you see Ric Flair's last match? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Can we talk um, about it? <laughs> yeah, I've never been more uncomfortable watching yeah. anything wrestling related. Watch the Over the Edge paper where Owen Hart died, and yeah. I can tell you that 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 the most cringeworthy thing was this: watching Ric Flair blade at seventy-four years old, watching him. In there, like trying to keep the belt around his waist as he's making his entrance. I'm like, is this really how you want out? Is this yeah. this is? I get it. He said, and you brought you brought Ric Flair to TNA. He gave us one of the great all time quotes. He said, "When I die, it'll be here or on top of a wild woman. I hope it's here, but I'll go either way." Yeah, like in his our, last in, match, he was trying. He was trying to die in the ring. Like, just, he was physically shaking towards the end. Like, just, it was like, I don't want to, this is watching my great-grandfather wrestle, and I don't want to watch this no more. Like, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was as uncomfortable of an experience. And I'm sitting there watching, like, Undertaker, Bret Hart, and everybody that's, like, sitting ringside. I'm like, and you're all, you're all okay with this. All right. Well, they were at a funeral, you know? <laughs> Basically, that's what it felt like. A celebration of life, right? Isn't that it, it normally what we call it? A celebration. Yep. This yes. is supposed to be a celebration. It's a and celebration. And and the blade job he did. So so with with all that Michael Jordan f back end stuff, um, you just kind of throw that out, Andy. Like that that doesn't affect your that that Michael Jordan and the Wizards stuff. You, yeah. You know, you look. You got to look at the entire body of work. You know, from front to back and, and from side to side, just like you, you do Jordan. I mean, no one talks about Jordan and the Wizards. We look, no, he we kind of playoffs. He was a nice star. I know, but you kind of. We don't, we don't that, talk about it. We don't well, talk they do, about they it. Do, they do now to elevate LeBron James. <laughs> Yo, they, they need to, everybody needs to sit down about LeBron James, but that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, I want to open up that conversation so bad, but the, this, this is a this is a wrestling podcast. Um, have you got? Have you ever got to see Ric Flair live? No, no, no. Have any other two of you got to see Ric Flair live? No, I don't believe I have. No, that's that's interesting. I, I don't think I have. No. Fun fact: I got to see Ric Flair live in TNA. Okay. In Philly. Okay. Just about ten years ago, too. Um, that was actually the time I saw Ric Flair, Sting, and Hulk Hogan. This was the first time I saw all three of them. Um, yeah, it was an it was an interesting experience, to say the least. Um, what was your favorite part, Andy, of 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 Ric Flair's run, or what 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 era of Flair do you think yeah. highlights his best? His best. Yeah, the, the the horseman run when he was in the horseman, you know when they had it going, where he's where he's coming out on JCP every week and and delivering promo after promo in the ring. So I'd say 
you know, the eight, late, oh, 1980s, you know, from the early 80s till 90, when kind of they were trying to pass it over to Sting, you know, in the Great American Bash in 1990, where they tried to make him the champ, that whole era, you solidified Ric Flair, you know, is the best it was. It was you know, so Spencer, I, I'm I'm gonna ask you, who's your goat? Who who's at the top of your list of greatest of all time? I mean, that's it's a great question. It's a hard question, but I think personally, for me, my goat would be the Undertaker, just in mm. terms of longevity, oh. for being able to reinvent himself. He's deceptively good on the microphone. He's had his moments. There, there, there was definitely that period from like '93 to like early '96 that. Were a lot of head scratchers, but to kind of rise through that, and when we say when he says that he's faced the best and he's being the best, look at who he, he's he's beating everybody. Mm-hmm. He's beating Austin's, your Rocks, Flair, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. He has uh, Mick Foley. You can you name it. He's faced them and he's beating them. And Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. He won his first world title a year his run of WWF. Like. That that and then just his overall gravitas and how he carries himself from how revered he is then and now. He's not wrestling anymore. Like there's just there's something about him. And honestly, of every superstar that I've ever encountered or been around, he's the only one that I never got a chance to see wrestle. And that's the biggest crime and like my biggest. Yeah, I already like Spence. I knew Spence is my guy. I even like him even more. My guy, Spencer. <laughs> Thank you. So, yes, so, so, but let me ask you something. Then, can he be go if he <laughs> if he had he was never a top five money draw, was he as a champion? Well, that's part of the problem. His title reigns were never really that long. His his second reign reign in uh, ninety seven. That was from WrestleMania to SummerSlam. And then, you know, his run in 2009 where he took the title from CM Punk and lost it to Jericho in the chamber. I, I look at those two as, like, those are his, like, two true title runs. And business was getting better for the WWF in, around in 97 and 09. They were uh, they were plugging along. They were, they were the big game in town, you know. So, I don't, you know, I, I understand the, you know, was he a draws champion. He was to draw whether or not he had the belt. The Undertaker was the Undertaker was our generation's Andre. He was just the he was the attraction. He was you don't need to he could be on, on the card wrestling a broomstick. Everybody's gonna go sit there with their cameras out, taking pictures, waiting for the arena to get dark and the ominous music to play. Like there it's it's something different about everybody. So were were was everybody there watching for that match with the broomstick? Or was it the pomp and circumstance that came before and potentially after it that caught people's attention? Without question, it was pomp and circumstance. But then, if you put him in the ring with a with somebody that can actually go, he can put on a he can put on a great match. You saw in the latter stages of his career, you know, able to put on four straight WrestleMania matches. Obviously, you know, with Triple H and Shawn Michaels that hold up. That will hold up, you know, for 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 decades to come. Yeah. And then you know you take that further evolution. Oh, his physical limitations were there, and you put forth, even though it was definitely uh, filmed and the pandemic certainly helped that. But that match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania 36 was a lot better than it had any right to be. Now, granted, 
look who he's in the ring with or look who's across from, but you got to have two to tango, and he did his part. Was that was that how him being the goal? Was that how you think he should have gone out? I wish he could have gone out in front of a live audience, but all things considered, he wasn't getting younger and physically he wasn't getting better. So if we could, if, if that's the way to go out, then that's the way to go out. Um, I personally think. <sighs> I personally think that in an alternate in an alternate timeline, the streak would have been ended by Roman Reigns, and he would have rode off in the sunset after that. But mm. I think he was. But as he and he explained in the in the uh, in the documentary, pointed with that performance against Roman that it kind of pushed him to keep going until he had that he could say, okay, this was this was of my standards, and I can walk away on this. Yeah, I was live for that one. Down in Orlando for Mania, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, so hey, I watched. Uh, I watched it. Felt like a funeral. Like, you just felt like, oh, this is. Well, you, you knew what was happening, right? Well, look. All right, uh, but but, but he did have his, like you say, he had his Michael Jordan Wizards moment when he the whole Goldberg deal, the 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 Super Show. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, see, much like Jordan with the Wizards, we don't. We don't talk about that. Well, we don't need to talk about the Goldberg one because that. These all nearly died in front of us. Like it was sad. So, so looking back at it now, years removed from it, right? And all of us really growing up in the era of, you know, the height of the well, the entire era of the Undertaker. To be honest with you, um, I want to get everybody's feeling on that streak breaking by Brock now. Now that you look at it, now that you see what, what has come from it, now that we see where Roman Reigns is positioned, now that we see where Brock Lesnar is positioned, what is your feelings on Brock breaking the streak when he did? Dwayne, I, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, I'm perfectly fine with it. Um, the only, Because Brock was in a very bad place, especially amongst wrestling fans after that performance in, I want to say it was WrestleMania 20 with him and Goldberg at, at the Garden. Um, so he needed um, that. And Undertaker, you know, being a, you know, the big person he was, you know, gave him that opportunity. And to Brock's credit, after that, he took the keys and ran with it. And, um, and there's a lot of guys, uh, unfortunately, that get those keys handed to him, you know, a.k.a. Ultimate Warrior. And a few you know, it's others. crazy that you're saying that right now because I'm watching Saturday Night's main event and this is when he has the belt. But, okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but you know, we're giving those keys, but, you know, couldn't get in the car, start the ignition, and, and take off with it. Lex and, Luger. Uh, Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a few I mentioned when it's time for me to discuss my GOAT. But uh, – we know your well, goal. He ain't well, goal. We we don't all know his goal, but Andy, you as a lifelong Undertaker fan, what was your feeling on when the streak was broken, and how do you look at it now? Um, it, it, it shocked me. I'll be the first one to tell you. You know, you when when that, you know, one, two, and the when that hand came down for three, I, I was at like everybody in the crowd stunned. Now you start seeing that he had to go to hospital and stuff. So, you know, it's better. But I like Brock was the right person, I could I say, agree. because cause look what he did. He turned into Cowboy Brock. Right. I, love where, I love where he's at right now. That whole promo he did, you know, on, on, on Raw recently where he's talking about Bobby Who. And mm. I could stop. I just couldn't stop thinking about Bobby. 
Yeah, yeah. The wife comment. The wife the comment. comment was hilarious. You know, he pulled the house party. He pulled yeah. the house party. Yeah. Yeah. You know, after four now or five hours, all I can do is think about this. Uh, after after four or five hours, <laughs> gotta remember. So, but and you see where you know, and then you look at the other guy who who beat the Undertaker WrestleMania, Roman. You know, so you look at a guy who's now on top, now quote unquote the man, um, almost unstoppable. You, you know that 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 figure, almost like Ric Flair, who's gonna beat. Roman, and you always said in the 80s, who's going to beat Rick? You know, it's crazy you say that. I didn't realize this. I was watching it this morning. I didn't realize they said Roman hasn't gotten pinned since December of 19. He hasn't been pinned this decade. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, but that that, that talks to, to, to what probably Vince always saw in him. And I think, you know, now, if we, if you would have said that to somebody back in like, what 2018 that he wouldn't be like pinned for the next whatever many years they'd probably be like bs because who who the hell is roman but now that we look at it it's almost deserving wouldn't you say yes but 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 you also you look at what there was that whole time where we were force fed roman and we didn't want to eat you know we didn't want it you know and and when he got booed one for winning winning the rumble and so Spencer, no. let me ask you this, and I'm gonna flip the question because I know I asked everybody about how they felt when the streak broke. What was your feelings when Roman beat the t- beat Taker at WrestleMania? I, I alluded to it before, and we we're talking about his like seeing like being able to like ride off into the sunset. That match fell short of some of, of the expectations left for it, and Roman really fell victim as a result. And, this is where I was talking about Trigger feeling bad and how he thought he had to come back and make right. Um, but as far as that match, like that match was substandard, but I understood the game, what they're trying to do. I personally mm. believe, like I said, I just see alternate timeline. That's where the streak ended. I, I love Brock. I respect him. I, I think that he needed it considering that he really had some real substandard feuds prior to, mm-hmm. but when it happened live, it was more like him, really? He, Brock needs this? Okay, fine. But, like, now that we look at the big picture and all that, you know, Roman needed that head on his mantle. Mm-hmm. Well before we, he, you know, became the tribal chief and he had the, uh, the heel turn and all that, like, before all that happened, he needed a head on the mantle and that was the one that he got. It was unfortunate that it happened in such a poor match. Well, but then it also it also made him a viable uh, competitor for Brock, right? Brock was unstoppable once he once he um, took the streak from Taker, and the only way you get somebody that you can say is on that same level is they probably have to have similar accomplishments, which is like you said, he needed that head on his mantle to justify him, um, you know, knocking Brock off. So. So I, I, I'm ready for this one. I, I love this conversation. I feel like a lot of people don't give this man much credit, but I tweet, who is your GOAT? <laughs> this was a tough one, um, believe it or not. Because tough I, one? It tough was one? a tough one. It was tough, a tough one? one? It was a very okay. tough one. He's probably going to okay. do a swerve, Andy. He's probably gonna yeah, no, I know. It was very tough. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I did, though. 
I list okay. My top two were Ric Flair and John Cena, and okay. for, for, and for different reasons. And what I did literally, and I'm and I have it in front of me right now. I wrote down the reasons for you know as a case for both. Now to, to, to answer the question, ultimately, I'm going with Ric Flair. Wow! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Stop! Tony, can we stop wow, this? Wow! The swerve. I got swerved, man. I got swerved. And, 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 I got and here, swerved. And I can't wait to tell you guys why. Yeah, I got a, swerved. A lot, a lot of it is for the reasons Andy mentioned, but some of the reasons Andy mentioned, I think John Cena was better than Flair at. Um, as far as putting people over, I mean, other than Sting, really, I mean, Dusty Rhodes was pretty much the antagonist that Ric Flair needed earlier on in his career. They obviously, you know, ran, um, pretty much carried the company for about three to four years. Then it was supposed to be Magnum TA. But then later, obviously, you know, obviously his car accident. Then later it became Sting was the one he put over. Then, you know, Sting's career took off from there. But when it comes to John Cena, um, you look at, you know, the suplex city is because of him, exists because mm -hmm. of him. Um, Roman Reigns is having to run now because of John Cena. We can we can throw the Undertaker's name in there as well, but uh, John Cena has pretty much wiped out the entire um, the entire you know, top level talent um, during a time where the WWE after the Rock, you know, after that era of Rock Austin and uh, Rock Austin Triple H, well Triple H was still around, but Rock and Austin primarily, uh, a lot of people thought you know the product would take a nosedive. And Cena pretty much carried it without a dance partner. Now, for me to say all of this, to say why I'm choosing Ric Flair, there's something that Ric Flair has done that John Cena has not done, and that's just why I can't call John Cena the GOAT. John Cena has never had a heel run. Uh, and for me to call someone the GOAT, you really have to show that you can, you know, do it all. Um, and when I say do it all, I mean, are you going to be as over as a heel as you are as a face? Uh, Ric Flair was. Uh, maybe, obviously, he was a better when, heel. When, when was Ric Flair face? Uh, when, when him and Sting were horsemen together. Okay. And, and after the Terry Funk, after the Terry Funk match in uh, Wrestle War 89, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that whole. Funk, funk power drop him through the announce table. And during his, um, his feud with uh, Nikita Koloff as well. Yeah, exactly. So for me, that that was the ticker for me. Where that that will to me that that put Flair over. Um, both of their and also another thing with Ric Flair that put put him over to me. Um, as far as sustainability, Cena has been at well, he joined WWE I think what two thousand two or something like that. <coughs> uh, I may have the years mixed up. But, no, no, no. Okay, so he's had. You know, sustainability from the first time he won the U.S. belt, I guess, in 05, and then once he won, won the world belt. But the thing that Ric Flair did not do that John Cena has done, and obviously we're in a different time now, um, Cena has had extended periods of time off. Um, you, know, do, you know, from the time he became, you know, at his apex up until now. You know, obviously, you know, business-related reasons. But Ric Flair was pretty much going hard from the late 70s all the way through the mid the mid nineties towards the, the, the late nineties. He's going hard on, on TV every week. <laughs> well I think that's where the GOAT talk honestly becomes difficult and even in other sports, right? Because errors are different. Who's to right. say that if the opportunities were available to Ric Flair the way they were for John Cena, that he wouldn't have transitioned into, you know, movies I, or TV. You know, it's funny it's funny you like say that, Tom, because I started to ask I want to ask the group this. 
I, I find it hard to believe because with Ric Flair's popularity, I mean, the only person in Ric Flair's peak that was more popular than him was Hulk Hogan. Um, I, I find it hard to believe those opportunities didn't exist for Ric Flair. But, but, but having the charisma I, that he has and everything, and he's very well-known mainstream. You, but I, they, they, go ahead, Spencer. Okay, I can answer that real quick. It's okay. Ric Flair, while, yes, known to wrestling fans – was not on the national level the way that Hulk Hogan was. Oh, now, no, absolutely and, not. Now, if Flair had joined the WWF in, like, say, 88 for SummerSlam and stayed, then perhaps you would have seen him on more things outside of wrestling. But that's largely why. He was in the, he was a real, he was associated with the South. Hulk Hogan was associated with just national, like, nationwide wrestling. And I think I would also say, um, and definitely to to Spencer's point of Ric Flair being in the South, Hogan also had the coast, right? So he had right. New York and the opportunities and that come with being in New York and, and, and also LA. Mm -hmm. So, um, but then also, you know, thank God for Roddy Piper, right? Cause right. without Roddy Piper, how many of these, or Jesse Ventura, how many right. of these wrestlers would even have movie opportunities? Right. Just to and, and, and one more quick, quick, quick Go ahead, Spencer. Um, like with the WWF, they were on NBC. WCW had to wait till like TNT really kind of became a thing, and TBS became a thing nationwide to blow up. The WF, WWF was like replacing Saturday Night Live on Saturday nights and right, yeah. national yeah. audience. Like, there's 33 million people watch wrestling on a Friday night in the 80s and watch Hogan and Andre. Like that's that's how you get that star power. And can right. I? Can, 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 and even hold on, Tom. Go ahead, Andy. But and even when you look at what Vince was trying to do, Vince was trying to take over the nation. Yep. And he had his he had his golden goose. So you know he had his trophy. He had Hulk Hogan. So he was putting him out there, like you say on Saturday night's main event. He was putting them all out there. Ric Flair wasn't getting put out there like that, you know. And but like you say, if he had the opportunities, he might have. And to your point, Andy, because I've been and and tweeting, uh, Andy, no. I go through my spurts of where I just watch certain things for a time. And right now I'm on, for whatever reason, this Saturday night's main event kick. And um, something that I noticed just in the TV programming of it, Vince came hot out the gate. He would have the main event, probably first. like either the first or second match. You would, see, you would see Hulk Hogan constantly. Hogan would either be, Hogan would do a backstage, a match, then like two more backstages and then a run out in the span of the show. Um, the ultimate warrior was in prominent position. So he came out the box with like, I'm going to grab these people early and often and, 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 and try to keep them through the entire show. Um, so he definitely made sure that his golden geese, whoever they may be at the time, <laughs> were very much visible um, with this Saturday night's main event project. Uh, so, but back to Rick, that's, 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 so we have Ric Flair, Ric Flair, and The Undertaker as the goats in this. I'm, in this I'm, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm still in shock. Well, here's my thing. I'm, John I'm, Cena. I'm, I'm, I'm still in shock. Hold on, tweet, tweet, tweet. John tweet, Cena, got... John Cena book is not finished yet. I'm, I'm, no, hold on, hold on. I don't know. It might I'm, be, bro. It might be. <laughs> All right. Fast tense coming out. But I, I'm in shock because I was ready. Tone knows this. I was ready. Tweet knows that. I was ready to talk Ric Flair versus John Cena. And for Tweet <laughs> to come out and, and, and give the go 
to to Ric Flair, I am like stunned. I'm almost having, you know. Yeah, I just had to be honest with myself, man. It was it goes back to what Tone said at the very beginning of once we got on, on air. He said, There's a difference between your favorite and the goat. Right. And yeah. John Cena, without a doubt, you know, I don't need to tell you all that. All you gotta do is take, you know, see a picture of me dressed up going to the event. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it was a tough one. But you know, when I really thought about it, it was like, hey, hold up, slow down, Dwayne. Um, so so I think we could. That this is a great place to transition into my next question. Then, um, and I'm actually going to skip it and save one for last because when we think of Ric Flair, we think of the big gold, right? That's his mm-hmm. belt, right? right? When we think of John Cena, it's got to be a spinner, right? Iconic. Mm-hmm. The Undertaker doesn't have a belt. Yeah? Does that speak to? Does that speak to his legacy? It speaks to what Spence said earlier about um, like his runs wasn't as significant because they were so short but he was he's mainly like he's a standalone character that's larger than life so he's probably one of the very few wrestlers who don't don't need a title to solidify their legacy it's like roddy piper how many you exactly know, and, and, or 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 and, and minus the million dollar champion because i'm watching wrestlemania 5 championship belt you think of someone like ted DiBiase when you start looking at it Ted was only a tag team champion in the WWE. Yeah, he should have been a WWE. He should have been, well, he's the world champion for what, a couple of seconds when Andre right. handed him the belt. But, but but you look at Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper, what championships has he really won? But besides the Intercontinental Championship for that little moment between Royal Rumble and, and um WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Right. You know, it's, you know some world people, titles in WCW, which nobody remembers. Right. Anymore. But some sometimes um they need that belt. Mm-hmm. Or, but the greatest things, you know, and you can talk about Roddy, Roddy Piper almost being a goat. He should be up there. And He's we, definitely we up fa- there. We failed to look at it. He didn't need it, you right. know, to be that good or to, you know, be. And he was always on the opposite side. He was always, and we think of him in, in you know, WWF, but he had a run in WCW or JCP, whatever you want to call it, Mid Atlantic, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mm hmm. You know, is that opposite to, you know, when we talk about WWE, opposite to Hulk Hogan, um, you know, that, that and like that you Hogan. said. He has a classic that people with the hammer prior to that. Right. So thinking about, thinking about belts, because, you know, I love belt talk, right? So let's kind of work our way back with Spencer. What is your favorite belt of all of wrestling? Current or are you saying all time? All of, of all time. Of all time, doesn't matter what promotion, what what is your favorite belt? Okay, my favorite belt would be the classic Intercontinental Championship. Uh, <laughs> great choice, uh, you know, very nice. I think the just the overall design of the title, and then you think about the men that held that championship. Like, there's a certain, you know, when Cody Rhodes brought it back in 2011, like there was, there was like a certain respect that came with that title. Naturally, I love the winged eagle belt from the 80s, the Hogan belt, you know, the one they had from Hogan to Austin. Yeah. I love that one. And then a guilty pleasure favorite was the big eagle belt that Austin got after WrestleMania 14. Underrated I like, belt. I like the, even with the yes. blue strap. Black strap, not the blue. But, like, I like... It's the set because it, it felt like the WWF's version of the big gold belt, almost. That that particular title, Dwayne. Tweet mm-hmm. you. What's your favorite? 
<laughs> the one I bring up to your house every time I come. <laughs> I think and I say that because it's probably it's standalone, very identifiable. And when you look at the belt, you're identifying with a particular uh, the person that held it. Even though obviously uh, Alberto, Alberto Del, um, Del Rio, um, Edge, and a few others, RBD, and a few others held it, um, and obviously changed the um, the side plates. <laughs> but uh, when I look at the spinner belt, is the most unique belt I believe, and and it, it just looks great and is unique. It's one of the first belts that you know. When you look at it, it's like wow! It gives you the wow factor. Other than the Ric Flair, um, you know, WCW World Title or NWA World Title belt. Excuse I didn't me. like the, I didn't like the spinner until Alberto Del Rio had it though. Is that you bad? just said you you just said that to just get under my skin? No, I know no, 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 <laughs> legitimately, huh? no. Seriously, seriously. So so I hated it, and then mm-hmm. I was doing a podcast at a certain point, and what I did was it was a visual podcast. So I started taking my face off just because, you know, I wanted to be different. And I would put a belt up in replace of it. Um, And for whatever reason, at that time, Alberto Del Rio had just gotten it. And he had cut a promo. And I said, you know what? That belt is actually pretty tough. (laughs) (laughs) The thing I love the most about the belt is every time I wear it to an event, or where and I, this might even happen when we was in the grocery store that one time before Mania. Um, But people always come up to me at the spin the spinner. But I'll never forget, true story, and it's kind of funny. When I was at uh, Wells Fargo Center for an event live, this dude, his girlfriend comes up to me and says, oh, can I spin the, um, you know, can I spin your belt? So she starts spinning it, and he just flipped out on her. It was the most hilarious thing Damn. ever. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I didn't want to just tell her no. And I'm thinking, like, well, maybe it's okay, because he's right there. But, like, she's like, I just want to spin your belt. And she spent it. Mind, <laughs> you, I was, I was, mind you, I was wearing it at the time. So, it was my yeah, she, yeah, she wants to spend more than Yeah, she wanted to spin the belt. She wants to spend more than your I belt. I said, okay. I said, okay. You know, treat, treat, your, treat your boys like a little cuckold or something right now. Andy, <laughs> <Dang. laughs> your favorite belt. My favorite belt. It's it, not too many people remember this belt, but it's the Andre the Giant Championship belt. I knew it. <laughs> yes, you knew it. it, it it's it, I I I like the IC belt from you know the eighties. I love the eighty six Hogan belt before the Wing Eagle, but I I had to look it up. I I was looking at it. it has it has a lot of those characteristics of both belts. You know, it has the bottom. If you look at the bottom, it has that IC belt look, and the top looks like the eighty six. And something about that belt, it just drew draws me to it and I, I i to me that's the best belt i feel and it's my favorite and what, most important has made to fit a giant of a man well you, well i am a giant of a man so <laughs> so with the belt talk what belt do you guys identify with hulk hogan what's hulk hogan's belt when you nah. oh, wow you go I, I, I said, even more so than the one he wore in Mania Three. Yes, the '86 belt. That okay. that to me is is Hulk Hogan. Real quick, quick question for everybody. Um, I was watching like on on the network, uh, old uh, you know the Carter Garden where um, Hogan beat the Sheik. What what do you guys think about that belt? The green belt. The green one. The big green the one. Yeah, I the thought green that was nasty. Nice on, I, I thought it was it. nice. On any belt color strap, it'd be beautiful. On that green, mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah, like there's, it's a pea green that's like, kind of, it's unappealing. It's not 
I yeah. guy, but I, I, I like the plates of that championship belt. Beautiful. To me, it's on par with the North American belt that's out now. I, I could do without it. See, I think I, I think I agree with Dwayne, man. I think I think it's the green that makes it, the green with the gold. Um, that makes it. I think if it were black, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't yeah. stand out as much. Um, but I, I would argue actually the belt that I connect with Hogan the most is the NWA Big Gold. I mean the um, NWO Big Gold. Wow. Mm. Okay. Mm. Okay. That's that's fair. I, I I can see. Yeah, because you know desecrate, but you know it's it's as anonymous with him. As I guess Flair from the '80s, so I, that that does make sense. Because because Macho Man had that one. The Warrior, I mean, Macho Man had right. the Winged Eagle. Warrior changed the colors of the Winged Eagle. Right. Mad times. Right. right? So the Winged Eagle isn't. I don't. Sacred, I, I, I see. I, I, yeah, I see so many other people with it in my head. That was Austin's first run. So mm-hmm. like Hogan's belt. Taker Goddess. Whenever you see the NWO, you don't think of nobody else. Like, even if somebody else wore it, whatever. Hogan spray painting the NWO on it. And playing it like a guitar. Yeah. Yo. I think, I think for me, the only reason why I'm like, I look at the Wiki more as Hogan than, than the NWO belt is only because, while well, yes, Hogan dominated in these, you look at the men that have held it since. And with, the, with a few small exceptions, like, Everyone really, everyone that's held that Wind Eagle belt's a Hall of Famer. With the, mm-hmm. that NFL belt, like it's like, all right, yes, you had a brief moment with a brief moment with Luger, a brief moment with, with I mean, really, if you look at it, a brief moment with Goldberg, like there, but it's always it's always been Hogan's. Well, everybody I, that wore the Winged Eagle is a Hall of Famer. Everybody, almost. Sergeant Slaughter is. I, a said, Hall I of said almost. Famer. Yes, he is. I'm one. trying to think of somebody that 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 wasn't. Sid. No. Sid's the only but, one. It is the only one that's held that, that, but, held that particular. But not a Hall of Famer. But you can make a case for Sid. No, I'm saying that I'm not saying that he shouldn't be. I'm saying that he just he isn't in the Hall of Famer. Right, currently, yes. Tweet. But can you make, can you make an argument tweet for Sid? Um, yeah. I can. Everybody knows. The only thing that hurts Sid is his injuries. You know, other than no. that, I mean, his softball game. Yeah. Yeah. Softball swing, from what I understand. Yep. Yeah. Um, so can, can I get back to this? Why, you know, going back to the Wing Eagle stuff? Yeah. Remember, like, when Hogan won it, you had the green belt. Mm-hmm. Then in 85, he had another belt. In yeah, 86, he had, he had another belt. Like, yeah. like, like that whole, uh, I'm looking at it right now. There was like. Hogan had four belts. Hogan had four belts, like in that, yeah. that span. There was always a different belt, so there was nothing really to get attached to, like the Wing Eagle. Wing Eagle was around for a long time. The big gold belt was around for a long time. You know, there's he, even a Saturday Night's main event where he has one belt in the backstage segment with Mean Gene, and then he comes out with a glossy Winged Eagle. Right. Yeah. So, so you look at that, and 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 those things are. You know, like like we say, things are synonymous with certain people. You think of John Cena, you think of the spinner belt, you think of Ric Flair, you think of the big gold belt. Do you really think about the ten pounds of gold? Not really. 
and he, he had that's a beautiful even though that's a beautiful it, belt that's though. a beautiful thing you know you think about Austin you think about Austin with that you know the the, the big eagle belt afterwards mm-hmm. you know you think of you know now you think of Roman and you think of both straps gotcha. you know the, the, you start thinking of those things you know I, I'm watching Tully and Arn and I think about their Tag team belts. Yes. Yeah, so you don't get, you, don't get you, me started you, on the Midnight Express on U.S. tag belts. That U.S. tag belts are beautiful. They're, they're, they're beautiful. You think about Lex Luger, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, when I think about Lex Luger, I don't. I think about that old U.S. belt. The old yep. U.S. Yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. You know. You with know. The so, with the with the circle side plate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. real quick, just a question for all y'all. Since we're talking belts. your thoughts on the Smoke and Skull belt, Stone Cold Steve Austin's. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I was never a fan. I, I think they were trying to, you know, and and it goes. I think back out. I'm looking at it right now. I'm not a fan, but I think it was trying to give him his own identity, his own personality. You right. know, there was the Brahma Bull belt floating out there. That, I'm looking at the Brahma Bull one now. <laughs> you know, well, the Brahma Bull belt was ugly compared to the Smoking Skull, in my personal opinion. But I think. Agreed. I think the gimmick of the smoke and skull belt um, and, and Austin being perceived as an outsider of the company and stuff like that, it would kind of make sense that he had his own. I just feel like it, it, it started, it started a trend that it worked for John Cena. Um, but I think that that U S spinner was hideous. Um, I agree. Awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but 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 I think it kind of like opened up the door for a lot more uh, uh, unique or individualized belts, and I think some of them hit, and I think some of them missed. Mm-hmm. Um, but because his was really kind of the 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 first one that most people remember, because his was the one that most people saw, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it works. I think it helped him in his career. But as far as, you know, putting it on the pantheon of designs, eh, it's cool. <laughs> it's, it's definitely cool. But that belt, that belt stops traffic to this day, my friend. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And more people know that belt than any other, than a lot of other belts, like, respectfully. But yep. so before we wrap up, I, I definitely wanted to hit this one, um, this topic real quick. Um, as far as your favorite all-time pay-per-view. Now, there's, we, we've all seen thousands of pay-per-views probably at this point in our lives, um, but is there one for you that has stood out? I guess Andy, I'll yes. start with you. Yes, I, I'm, I'm watching it currently. Whether live or in person. Um, in person? Or, or well, live? Well, either or. Your favorite pay-per-view, it doesn't matter whether it was live or in person. Well, I'd say WrestleMania five. I, I don't know from from the co- the whole card, and and, and usually I, I talk and and I discuss this about the quote unquote bathroom matches, mm. you know, where where you would decide to take a break and go to the bathroom because it wasn't worthy of you know your time, like you did when like you did when we was at Money in the Bank for. <laughs> just... Well, that that was a whole other thing. I was squeezed in like fish. I had to walk because if I didn't <laughs> walk, I would, my my legs were gonna fall off. <laughs> WrestleMania five from top to bottom, the whole card you could sit and watch, and and with no skips, no interruptions, and I guess the whole story of the Mega Powers, uh, it's WrestleMania five for me. 
it drags. And I realized why you 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 skipped the beat for a second. I said live and in person, which is basically the same thing. I meant <laughs> in person or on or on TV. So tweet, what's your what's your favorite uh pay-per-view? For for the exact reasons that Andy stated, but I'm going with Mania Three. Um, I remember the first time I seen it on Coliseum Home Video. It was like I, that's probably the only well, and WrestleMania Five is up there, but WrestleMania Three I can actually sit through it and not leave the TV like the entire time. I don't think it's it's no. I don't I don't remember to be having a bathroom break match. Um, so only 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 thing I would just if I had an issue with one thing about WrestleMania Three, the card from top to bottom, is that the tag the tag belts wasn't on the line. Even though they had the you know the six man tag with you know with the feud with Danny Davis, which was mm-hmm. classic, but um, other than that, from top to bottom, I thought it was probably the most watchable, most entertaining, one of the best cards ever. Danny I mean, Davis main... became a ref became a ref again, right? Yes, afterwards. Yeah, yes. yep. no, nobody felt some type of way about that. You always bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Teddy Long went between a manager, a referee, a GM, back to Bro. a referee and. Player, player, player. Tim Tim Donaghy, what was who was the NBA? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he never got another chance. Why Danny Davis get a chance? He also you know, felonies. I think that's why Tim Donaghy didn't get another chance. <laughs> <laughs> we sure we sure Danny. He, it was he was dangerous, Danny Davis. We sure he don't have any oh, felonies either. I don't know. And they're, and they're taking bumps like it's nobody's business <laughs> from Baby Boy Smith and Dynamite. Um. Spencer, your favorite pay per view, either in person or, or okay. on TV. I kind of have to give both. The TV okay. one, I'm gonna say, I really enjoyed Royal Rumble '92. I think, mm-hmm. just in terms of the star power of the match, you had Piper winning his first and only championship with the W, well, only singles championship with the WWF at the time. Like, a deceptively good like opening match with. Uh, I'm going to exclude Jim Neidhart, may he rest in peace, but Owen Hart and the Orient Express, I think that was uh, a hell of an opener for that match, uh, for that pay-per-view. And like I said, the Rumble match itself was just phenomenal. Ric Flair just kind of stamping his, like, get, getting the people from Vince on that stage. And With a tear in my eye. This <laughs> classic moment in my life, yes. Um, but in person... And maybe I, I kind of is the cheating because I was working the pay per view, but Money Even Bank Eleven in Chicago was an entirely different beat. Like just having been been in that crowd, nobody really knowing what CM Punk was going to do. Like, and then the matches you had Daniel Bryan at that time pull off a monumental upset in, money, in the in the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match. You had um, Del, Alberto Del Rio. And I'm doing an eye roll that I wish you guys could see. <laughs> and winning the uh, raw money. Um, you had a hell of a match with um, Christian and your world title. Uh, Big Show and Mark, uh, Mark Henry, they were pretty good on the show as well. But that crowd was just absolutely rabid for John Cena and CM Punk. And that's, I've been to pay-per-views. I've been to live events. Like I've never been to an experience like that where like, for real, if Cena won, they probably were going to riot. Like, that wasn't mm-hmm. – that they say that facetiously, but, like, having been in that crowd, Punk had to win or all hell is going to break loose. Punk is really freaking over in Chicago. Yeah. Of like, course. Uber over. Of yeah. Course, of course. But, like, that was 
I've never experienced anything like that before, you know, before really where the whole night, even before the show started, dumb <laughs> punk chants the entire time. Yeah. In the ring, they had to mute out. Like, I watched the now, I'm like, they muted out so much because that crowd, that crowd was lit. Well, you know, Spence, that, that kind of reminds me of uh, when I was at Cena versus um, Rock One down in Miami. Mm-hmm. And when you're walking up, like, you know, we're outside an hour and a half before the event, you know, before they even open up the, you know, the gates or whatever. And people were just yelling, you know, Cena sucks. And th- I mean, the crowd was just down all nasty. It was like, it was, you know, people just arguing and it was just like, there's no way I thought like uh, Cena could walk out of Miami, you know, oh, with I, the win over the Rock. So how was it a heel? You said he never had a heel run. Well, that was just, it goes to like the whole, like, you know, like some wrestlers come to Philadelphia and they're mm-hmm. over. So that, I think that was just a hometown thing, you know, with the Rock. Mm-hmm. So I don't think like it was Cena necessarily being a heel. It was just, uh, it depends on, you know, where he was at at that specific point in time. You know what I mean? I think if you ask certain people, he might have had a heel run because people really, really hated John Cena for a really, really long well, time. Well, he turned people's hate into like, and this was help, you know, helpful with him going up with The Rock. He turned it into it being, I don't want to say cool to root for the corny stuff, but first everybody, you know, hated it. Then it became like part of the whole Cena suck thing. He Very turned it into the Kurt Angle. He literally the third angle thing. Yeah, he literally turned it into Roman Reigns' current gimmick, right? I think the wording of his acknowledgement is so dope because really all it is is he wants a reaction. Whether you love me, whether you hate me, just acknowledge me, and the people go apeshit for it. And I think that's what every wrestler really wants, right? Just right. That's all you want. It doesn't, you know. And and when you're good at your craft, that's all you want is is a reaction from the crowd, whether it's you know positive or negative. Mm-hmm. You got they they're either gonna pay their money to cheer you, or they're gonna pay their money to boo you. And and you know we've heard about this before. Talk about WrestleMania six. You know Hogan, Ultimate Warrior. Listen to the crowd. It was dead because you had two fan favorites. They didn't know who to boo, who to cheer. Right. No, no nothing. So and, mm-hmm. and I remember. Bruce Pritchard talked about this. That's why it's hard to put two baby faces in the ring. Yeah. Or, or you know, you, you don't know who to cheer. Right. And and, and the crowd and, and the crowd is not vested in, in you know in that kind of a story. It's like okay, we got two friends going to fight each other. Not friends, but you know, two baby faces fighting each other for oh for mutual respect. No, we want to see you know we want to see a protagonist and antagonist. We want to see people that are just. Uh, who don't like each other for whatever story is told, you know, for the reason that they don't like each other. Next you know, year, so. WrestleMania is in Philly. That is a very short drive for all of us. Um, what's up? We making plans? Let's do okay. it. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Let's do it. We're going. Oh, yeah. I'm going. You're going. You're <laughs> going. And Spence, you're going. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. I mean, it's a we drive, will. though, even if we have to. Before we wrap up, one night or two nights? No, let me not even let me not even open that door because that's a. Should WrestleMania go back to one night? No, at any and at any stage going forward. I, I don't. I don't think it could ever go back to one night. Yeah, but it should be one much. night. It, it should be. It should be one night. I don't think it's ever going to happen again. I, I agree. 
I think New Japan's model with Wrestle Kingdom has kind of set the stage and really kind of has allowed, like, oh, we're going to really be able to double our profits, so, like, so to speak. Like, hell yeah, we're two nights. There might be a point where there might be a three-night WrestleMania. It's not coming out. So, you think about it. Is it WrestleMania four? WrestleMania four is now up four nights. Four you nights. have Smack. You have Friday Night SmackDown. You yeah. have the Andre the Giant. All that. Then you have, it goes right into the night Hall one. of Fame. Yeah. No, goes Hall of Fame. Then Night One, Night Two, and now Monday after WrestleMania has become a thing. You know. It's become musty because everybody knows that that's when you put the reset button it's and you start, start it's the start of the new year, so all bets are off. You open, you open this door. You open this door. Is 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 the raw after WrestleMania still a thing? It doesn't yes. feel like as, as big as it used to be. Well yeah. You, you know I, maybe, Go ahead, Spencer. I'm sorry, I'll be I, I, I think that be more of a thing, but I think as a as an industry, there's a there's a bit of a lull. Like you have a lot of people that have made moves one couple other that are free agents. It's like <clears throat> there hasn't been that impact, like that, that impact player signing like that, like, oh my god, they got him. Like mm. at the last one Cody. Uh, yeah. And in there, like and, and trust me, it's 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 more the story than the person because mm-hmm. he could have had all this in AEW, but he chose not to. And like that, like, and it, it means more to be able to do it, it in the AEW, like separating that. But like, Cody was like the last big get, and it's almost like you, you saw that one coming without having to look at spoilers and stuff. Like, there hasn't been. Brock might be the last, like, oh my God, post. Moment come up. I, I'll argue that it was actually Enzo and Cass. Go back on to the network no, and watch that, them that, pop the night after. That was that crowd was crazy. Good. That crowd was crazy. But yeah, fellas, this has been an awesome show. Um, before we wrap up, as we normally do, give you guys an opportunity to give last thoughts. Um, tweet, go ahead, go first. Anything. Just want to take the time to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, want to, you know, once again welcome Spencer. Uh, definitely, uh, greatly appreciate your your input, your feedback. Your in- again, I'm going to repeat your input and everything. Uh, and Andy Tone, it's always a pleasure. And you know, to everyone out there, uh, you know, would have been great. But I, you know, everyone out there <laughs> would have been great if we could have did this after the Elimination Chamber, because I think that's going to be some, you know, very interesting things as far as how that um, how that ends up. But nonetheless, uh, everyone tune into the Elimination Chamber. I'm pretty sure we'll be back to discuss, you know, some of that stuff um, before we head into WrestleMania. For sure. Andy, anything? Like I say, it's always been a pleasure. Spence, welcome. Welcome to the, welcome to the ride. Make sure you keep your... Uh, your seatbelt buckled and have a seat. Tell everybody out there, check out the other podcasts that we've done. And, you know, it, it's been great. And always, it's been fun talking wrestling with my guys. And always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. Amen. Spence, you, you got anything? Um, I just want to thank you guys for having me. You know, this is fun. I'd love to do this again. You know, 
I don't get up early on Sunday mornings and talk wrestling with uh, with very many people. So like this is always definitely out on topic to talk about. Um, you know, thank you guys for having me. Just a quick plug. Um, Death Tax Sports is the name of the podcast I do with my co-host Ben Oliver F. Long. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays it's on YouTube, on Spotify, anywhere. Um, again, again, guys, death taxes in sports, right? Death taxes in sports. Awesome. And again, thank you everybody for checking us out. Um, also, check out the other podcasts on CVN. Um, you can check these out and those on Spotify, on Apple. Um, and uh, we appreciate you guys listening. So we'll catch back up with you. And as I always say, when we head out, peace. 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 Peace.